0: Hey everyone, let me know when this is working. Live. We're live. And we exist. It's the best to have confirmation of my existence. So, uh, bad news so far uh, no sign of uh, Dr. Zubrin. So,. Uh, he said he was going to come. Uh, I sent him confirmation information, but I didn't get a response back from him. So maybe we got the times mixed up. Uh, this is, this is what happens when I do this on my own and I step away from the, uh, from Nancy Graziano and the, and the rest. Aw, thanks everybody. It was my birthday yesterday. So I guess it's just going to be an open QA. In fact, I already changed the title. If you see that it no longer says, uh, Robert Zubrin, but I'm going to leave the link to Robert Zubrin open, and if he pops in, then then this will switch to an actual uh, episode. So, let's, uh, let's get on with what's going on. First, I'll uh, give you some news, yeah, clickbait. Uh, I've changed the title now, so no one will think that it's an interview with Robert Zubrin. So, uh, our province is on fire here in British Columbia. It's just awful, and the smoke is just terrible, and, and my phone just warned me. That I shouldn't do anything extraneous outside now. So, the, any uh, outdoor work, runs, things like that, it's off. It's over. Um, but it's just, it's terrible. Like, you smell it everywhere. It's, um, it, I've been, my eyes are red. I've been coughing. Um, and just huge chunks of the province, even here on Vancouver Island, is just completely uh, just covered in smoke. And there's a bunch of fires that are still going on totally out of control across the province so uh it really sucks and i really hope the rains return we we have two seasons here on vancouver island we have the rainy season and we have the dry season and we're in the middle of the dry season and i don't think it has rained here uh since may we've rained once we had like one short little rain and the rest of the time it hasn't really rained since late may early june so yeah it's brutal but uh just finished Uh, shooting uh, two episodes. We did a big, long episode on Dark Matter, which I've been promising. So that took about, uh, it's about, man, it's got to be 20 minutes or longer. So it's a very long episode. So it's going to probably be out next week because Chad's going to be a little busy with it. Um, And then we also did a fun QA with a special guest, guest answerer, which was uh, Dr. Sabina Hassenfelder. Who wrote this book called *Lost in Math*: How Beauty Leads Physics Astray? And I got a chance to interview her for a bunch of things. So she's actually going to be, I think, uh, our first guest for the uh, for the Weekly Space Hangout. Uh, I pre-recorded the, the interview, so I think Nancy's going to have to tell me what the first day of the of the uh, of the Weekly Space Hangout is. But I think it's in early September. Uh, yeah, so um, that was a lot of fun. As you can always tell when we've just done episodes because I've got the Jean luc Picard. And speaking of, do you hear he's going to be on Star Trek again, which is awesome? Second guest. Okay, there you go. All right. All right, well, let's go on. Uh, I'll just take some questions, uh, which is always fun, and I will uh, go from there. One thing that I'm going to change, I got a complaint last time. Um, from someone saying they didn't like the chat that was just flowing on the side of the video, and I totally understand that. Um, it's a little distracting, and I don't know how much it really adds to the experience. If you're watching it on YouTube, you can actually see the chat go on on the, on the side of it now. Like, it used to be that the chat wasn't available after, but now when you watch a live stream video, you can actually see the 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 live chat going on as it's happening so i don't need to republish it to give people context they can just watch it from there and then i think if people are listening to this in the podcast version they can just listen to it oh i should show you this before we go any farther so my wife you know it was my birthday yesterday my wife gave me this as my birthday present uh it's a meteorite a big one too, 947 grams. So it's just shy of a kilogram over two pounds. Totally feel it. Um, so, uh, thanks, babe. She knows exactly the most romantic present I could have hoped for. I've always wanted, you know, one of the big ones, one that really feels like a piece of space metal. So how cool is that? All right. Uh, yeah, i will see, um, so let's get on with a bunch of questions. Uh, yeah, so for the people who like the live chat, you can see the live chat on the YouTube, it's happening right now. And even if you watch it afterwards, you can still see the chat unfold in the same speed. So it's just a matter of not having it show up and be distracting. And I totally get that, that uh, someone was saying that they had this really great conversation with me and Avi Loeb, and then at the same time there was just this scroll that was going on that was really distracting. And I, that really hit me where my heart is. So, uh, Bob Harkins asked, Fraser, where is your telescope located for the star party? So the telescope that we're using is in Landers, California, uh, which is near Joshua tree. And it is this 127 millimeter apochromatic refractor from Teleview. And it's a really fancy telescope. Uh, and it is going to be, and has a, color camera sony color camera attached to it it's the same camera as the uh the sony a7ii for the people who have that now we're doing a live stream telescope somewhere else on the evening of the 20th so i don't know if that if that somewhere on the 20th so um uh should be able to find out more information for that. I actually think it's going to be on the homepage while this is happening of that other place. So, uh, yeah. Um, So we're doing a bunch of tests, just doing a bunch of tests over on Twitch. Um, And then we're going to be bringing a lot of that live streaming stuff back here. There's a bit of a penalty when you do a live stream for like a long period of time. It doesn't get a lot of people watching, which is sort of what it's going to be right now. Um, So we've been doing the experiments over on Twitch. So if you want to check that out, go to Twitch.tv slash Fkane. That's my my name over there. Stick a magnet to have I don't have a magnet. I must have something with a magnet on it. It's a great idea. I don't have one. Sorry. Uh, Is it made of boomtronium? Can we link together and create a wormhole? Uh, no, but the, but the thing is, like, I give away meteorites uh, to people. Um, I've given them to patrons. Uh, I, often when I go to conferences and stuff, I'll bring the organizer a meteorite, a smaller one, one like, uh, one like this, so a littler one. But, um, and I always tell people that it gives them a superpower. So uh, now it's going to be a very lame superpower. It's not going to be like invisibility or the ability to fly, but it's going to be something like, one friend, whenever he goes on motorcycle rides, he tends to have good weather after I gave him the meteorite. So there you go. Um, let's see. You can have one. Sure. Um, there actually, so here's the trick is you can go on eBay. They're relatively inexpensive. You can get a meteorite, a middle, a metal meteorite like this for surprisingly inexpensive, um, and, and yeah, you can get them. So I should probably do another giveaway th- to the patrons. I've got some plans uh, to do the artist who did these posters is going to do a custom poster for, uh, I think, for the patrons. And, so, and also we're going to do some mission patches f- each year for Patreon campaigns. So expect that. All right. Let's, uh, let's hit with some questions. Come on. Uh, Jim Becker, is it true that Mars cannot be terraformed? Uh, so this is a story that came out in the last couple of weeks, and we reported on this, and this is this idea that there's just not enough carbon dioxide trapped in Mars to be able to terraform the planet. And then there was a argument on Twitter with Elon Musk now, Elon Musk, it's possible, has been taking some Ambien and has been doing some weird tweeting. So who knows how he feels about the whole thing? But the you know, it's a it's a fairly legitimate scientist. that's just done the calculations for how much carbon dioxide there is, and I wish Zubrin was here because he would probably uh, say that it's still going to be okay for Mars. So it's still a bit of an argument right now, and. But here's the thing if you go and you block the solar wind going to mars you will stop the atmosphere from getting blown away into space and there's enough volcanic gas that is trickling out of mars that it would thicken the atmosphere and warm up the planet just enough to make the carbon dioxide that's trapped at the poles um evaporate and go into the atmosphere and thicken that you could get that warmer and then that would help the um the the water melt and eventually you get to a point where sometimes there is even liquid water on the surface of mars will you ever get to a point where there's enough carbon dioxide in the atmosphere to not need a spacesuit that is the open question Uh, zubrin and elon musk think there would be uh, this researcher and i forget the researchers name someone can look into it they feel that there there isn't enough carbon dioxide even if you released all of the trapped carbon dioxide, but the bottom line is, is that Mars for a long time is still just going to suck, right? Uh, at the very best, you're going to have a place that you still need some kind of pressure suit, you're going to need to have a breathable atmosphere, uh, you know, you're going to need uh, a respirator, some way to breathe, and you can't, you're going to have to limit the amount of time that you spend out on the surface of Mars, no matter what you do it's going to be a dangerous place to to be. And you don't want to, you don't want any part of that. So I just, um, and even so like all of these ideas, right? Like let's smash comets into the surface of Mars. Let's, um, uh, let's set up a huge sun shield that blocks from the surface of Mars. We can't get out of low earth orbit right now, right? Like, let's do that. Let's go a little farther from the earth. Maybe, maybe go to 10,000 kilometers altitude. Let's try some kind of rotating space station. So um, I know earth isn't good enough for everybody and they want another earth. um, And so that's why they want to terraform Mars. uh, But it's, it's just the, the level of technology to be able to do that is just, it's, it might as well be magic, right? I mean, like, I know it's, still theoretically possible. And I've done videos about it kind of snarky videos about it, but so, uh, man, when did I just become so jaded? I, I think I've been talking to Pamela for too long. So ghost world, that sounds like a job for space force. Again, it, it really should have been called Starfleet. Um, Grant landing is noting that the SpaceX crew gantry got installed, looks pretty, but won't it just get charged kingdom come at launch? Uh, well, it depends on how fast you move that gantry. So for people who don't know what a gantry is, um, that is a, uh, you know, that is the thing that the a- the astronauts will walk on as they cross over onto the, the rocket. And so the, They had a similar one of these for the apollo astronauts and so once the astronauts are on board then they can they can remove all of this structure but still hold the rocket up and then move the rocket move the sort of as the rocket is starting to take off remove the rest of the superstructure so i wouldn't really worry about that right they can move all this stuff away once the astronauts are on board and then they can move it all back when the um when the, you know, if, if the astronauts have to get off and and wait for another time. So uh Scott and Flower, any missions planned for the underground lake on Mars? Not right now. There's no specific plans to go and examine this underground lake. And this was mentioned about, a, I guess, about a month ago, that the European Space Agency's Mars Express spacecraft detected evidence using its radar system that there is some kind of underground ocean under the, one of the, the northern poles. And you would assume if they found one, there's probably others as well. So, um, it's a fascinating discovery and it's the kind of thing that would be really hard to detect directly, like to try and dig through the regolith to get down, have to dig through potentially rock to find this stuff, drill, Sounds like a job for out of uh, Armageddon, Bruce Willis. Um, but you would. So I think it's going to be it's about the radar, right? The instrument that discovered it, this this ground penetrating radar, they need to take a better um, Uh, ground-penetrating radar to come back to Mars and examine more thoroughly, and so I don't know of any plans right now to do this, but I'm guessing based on this discovery, people are working on plans to send a better one now. They're sending a, a radar system like this to Europa as part of the Europa Clipper, and actually this was a fairly controversial idea to send to, to Europa because the, essentially the, the power demands for one of these ground penetrating radars is incredibly high. And so it needs to go, you know, it takes away from a lot of other science that the spacecraft could do. But I wouldn't be surprised if another spacecraft is sent with a much better instrument to try and look into this a little better. So um, someone asked me to explain relativity easily no problem um explain to me relativity in a simple way no problem here you go light always has to move the speed of light no matter how fast you're moving so if you're moving close to the speed of light and you see light then light still has to move faster than the speed of light and the only way for that to be possible is for time to change so that you, your amount of time that you experience aligns that you can still see light move at the speed of light. And that's, that's really the heart of it is that every time you're going to be seeing the speed of light, it must always be moving at the speed of light, no matter how fast you're going. And it's time that, that, uh, that gets impacted. All right. Well, There there's a bunch of questions there. Apologies. Uh, if I do miss your question and then I ask for more questions, it's okay. Go ahead, post your question again, but don't spam your question. anyway. Let's see, George Lancaster asks, can a Bustard Ramjet be practical if it uses the CNO fusion cycle? Uh, You know, the Bustard Ramjet, like we still don't know if we can make fusion go, right? Uh, The sort of the most, the biggest fusion engine that's going to be in the works right now is or the biggest fusion reactor is the one at uh, the ITER, And I think they're going to see first fusion in seven years, which is pretty soon. So then if we can make fusion go. Then people are going to have to figure out how to make fusion work in a um, smaller size, like right? something you could put on a spacecraft. Then the question is, can you extract your hydrogen fuel from, from space itself? And can you turn that into a fuel source that will work? And then which is going to be the fusion reaction that's going to be the one that works the best? So there's a pile of unknowns, right? Um, and, and so that's what we need to figure out. Um, is what, can we make fusion go? Can we make it small? Can we put on a spacecraft? Can we bring in the fuel to be able to keep the refueled? If we can do all those things, then potentially, yeah. Uh, Yamagashi-san, do you still train? Is your injury still a problem? Uh, yeah, I blew my knee out about four months ago. It's way better now. I'm still taking it a little easy, but I'm going to be going back to lifting in the next week, two weeks. I got a lot of travel too, which sucks. So, um, Abe's gotten flower, is the US government finally producing plutonium 238 again for missions? Uh, yeah, so just in the last year or so, two years, um, NASA has been approved to use plutonium for, its, for the, um, the RTGs, right? The Radioactive Isotopic uh, Thermoelectric Generators. So these are these decaying chunks of plutonium. I always say isotopic, isotropic. Anyway, uh, these are the chunks of plutonium that are that are decaying and they give off a ton of heat. And then they use thermocouples to pull the heat out and turn that into electricity. And for a little while there, the Department of Energy was limiting the amount of these that NASA could use. And so NASA had to change the number of missions that were going to use these RTGs. Curiosity has one. New Horizons has one but there was a class of missions that would have worked really well to use these that they couldn't. And now the, those everything's been cleared up, more of the stuff is under construction, and more of these missions are going to be able to use these, these RTG reactors, which is a great idea. Um, Suli, what do you think about the new strato-launch rockets and space planes? Um, so there's uh, two things right the Strato launcher um is the one is going to be the largest airplane ever built i've got to show you a picture i was meaning to to do this more um so the Strato launcher is is being funded by allen paul allen i believe um and it's in a monster i gotta it's a monster airplane i gotta find you a great shot of it um and it's going to carry Huge rockets under underneath, like pretty large Pegasus rockets, I believe, really big rockets. And so the plan is in the next couple of years, this thing is going to be uh, flying. Here we go. I can show you a picture here. All right. So check this thing out. So this is that's that's not the right text. I'll turn that off. Hold on. Okay. So that's the strata launch. And so what you've got here is you've got the these two. Uh, huge aircraft one with the pilot area and then a really legitimate rocket underneath and then you've got and it's going to be the biggest airplane and so we're right now they've been doing tests of this thing just on the ground uh, on they've been driving it back and forth on the um on the the on the runway seeing how fast they can make the thing go the next step is sort of um how can they actually do some flight tests and so we're gonna to expect to see some flight tests of this in the next year and probably some full rocket launches within the next couple of years uh is it a great idea i don't know um people are saying my audio level's a little low you can turn the volume up i can turn my volume up a little higher too i tend to to turn it down just let's see i'll go up to regular here um I'm the same sound as the guests. but there it's a little louder now um anyway so So is this the way of the future? My feeling is that it's probably not. Um, SpaceX with the reusable spacecraft has, you know, being able to reuse the first stage of the rocket has just made a much more simple whole launch system. The rocket takes off, the rocket lands close to its launch pad. They drag it back to the, the, you know, to the launch pad. They refuel it and the things, launch again and the the new block five variant of of the spacex falcon nine is designed for reusability as much as possible um the man so what's the uh they've just done the first uh time they've reused a block five has just happened and they're going to try a third launch of this rocket for the first time the first time the final, the fifth version of the rocket is being used for the third time. Anyway, um, so I really think that that's, they've cracked it, right? It's a better idea than single stage to rocket, single stage to orbit. Uh, and so this thing with the strata launch, it's a very complicated system. You got to take this rocket, you got to put it under your aircraft, you've got to fly the aircraft, it's got to um, the rocket's gotta take off, you're constrained at how big of a rocket you can have. The airplane's gotta come back and land on on the runway and then you've got to refurbish the system and then bolt another rocket onto it. While with SpaceX, these things are gonna be landing close to the launch pad and getting refueled. But I think the real magic for SpaceX is when they get something like the BFR, where both stages of the rocket are fully reusable. At that point, there's no other nothing can compete against a fully reusable rocket. And such a thing has never been built before. I mean, if SpaceX does manage to pull it off, and I don't think it's going to happen next year as planned, it's going to take a while, I think, just like the Falcon Heavy took a while. But if they figure it out, then it's going to be and so you're saying so John Wayne is saying silly, nothing can be better than SSTO. But no, uh, and the problem with a single stage to orbit is even if it is the best that it can be the amount of payload just to the laws of physics is really tiny compared to what's something like the BFR, where it's a staged rocket. The whole point of a staged rocket is you, you dispose of the, of the fuel tank and the engine when you've used up all the fuel that's in that component and it allows for much heavier rocket launches. And up until this point, the problem is that the rockets have been thrown in the garbage, but now, Potentially, SpaceX is figuring out how to use both parts of it. So uh, now I think if SpaceX figures out the BFR, then all the other launch systems are are just going to not be as useful. Now, that said, there is a whole other launch market, right, which is the small satellite launch uh, market. There's the, um, uh, you know, like what, a, the electron uh Uh, rocket. Uh, There's a bunch of these. And for those you can see, you know, because they are probably going to be disposable, you're going to see a lot of really clever ideas get used to try and provide that whole launch market. Right. Uh, How can you talk without moving your hands? Uh, I don't know. It's hard. I I tend to talk with moving my hands, but my hands are happen to be clenched right now. I don't know why. Um, Uh, Fugle says the tyranny of the rocket equation hates the SSTO design, but SSTO still has a market I think the Skylon will lead the way in this market. I agree. So for people who don't know the Skylon is a it's a wonderful idea. It's it looks like a a rocket looks like an airplane like a like a like a Concorde almost. Let me find a picture of a Skylon Um, and the cool thing about it is that it has a let me find a picture first uh here we go there we go check this thing out right this is awesome it is like my sci-fi future right so it looks like a bit like an airplane but it's got these really revolutionary engines which are air breathing when it's down in the atmosphere and then they switch to vacuum engines when they get above the earth's atmosphere but look at this little teeny tiny payload area right even the skylon now In theory, right, the skyline is going to take off. It's going to launch to space. It's going to dump out its cargo. It's going to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere and it's going to land and then it's going to put another cargo in and away it'll go again, which is great and very efficient. But it still can't beat just the raw cargo capacity of the of something like the BFR. And so, again, I think if you've got a single stage for both stages, both the top stage and the bottom stage, both are reusable. There's really not going to be anything that's going to be able to compete with that. Even the Skylon. I'm sorry. I love it. I do. And it's amazing saber engines. All right. What's my favorite space probe? Ooh, good question. I, man, I got so many, right? Um, the one that was sort of most meaningful to me is the Voyagers for all those amazing pictures that we saw the, um, picture the first time we ever saw uh, Uranus and Neptune. That's amazing. The spacecraft that I am most fascinated by is, is actually the Venera program that the Soviets sent all of these spacecraft to land on the surface of Venus. And they sent more than a dozen. And they didn't know what they were up against. They just kept sending spacecraft. And as soon as they died, they just figured out how it died. And then they made a spacecraft that was tougher that could handle that until they finally were able to get to the surface of of uh of venus um and i did an episode on on that i loved the little mars pathfinder spacecraft i was uh, i remember watch it was like 1997 and we was like one of the first things we could stream on the internet and we watched the pictures and video of that little robot uh rolling around on the surface of, of mars i love new horizons because for the first time we were able to see um the surface of, of pluto which had just been sort of in our imagination for this entire time so please don't make me choose cassini the, the pictures we've had of, of Saturn and all of its moons, Todd Larson, do you grow a veggie fruit garden at home? Sort of. My wife is a nature photographer and she takes pictures of bugs. And so we have the weirdest garden, um, designed to bring in as many bugs as possible. So we have a pretty great garden, but it is a lot of choices of, of, uh, flowers and plants and things that most people like a ton of parsley because bugs really love the parsley. So, um, uh, yeah. So sometimes you'll see pictures of, of, of our garden. Um, all right. More questions. Hit me. Uh, when Craig Miller's asking, when is the next orbiter scheduled scheduled for which can you be more specific for, for right now? Uh, there's no orbiters. Let's see. There's no orbiters plan for Saturn. Um, The next thing planned for Jupiter is gonna be the Europa Clipper. There's nothing planned for Uranus, nothing planned for Neptune, nothing planned for Pluto, nothing planned for Venus. Um, There's uh, the Colombo is off to Mercury soon. And then of course the next spacecraft going to Mars is gonna be the Mars 2020 Rover. And then after that is the ExoMars. There's, yeah, but nothing to, to a lot of those places, which is really sad. Um, you wanna, uh, Rhea Faraz wants to know my top 10 space movies. I uh, I don't have, Ben asks, yes, Meteorite. Totally, check it out. Um, uh, I don't really have top 10 space movies. Um, I've, I've seen so many space movies. I can't even, like, I loved The Martian. Uh obviously I got a chance to finally go back and see two thousand and one just about a month ago and it didn't freak me out the way it did the first time. Um doing a show. <laughs> um Um Yeah, go ahead. Um daughter wants to know if she can start the dryer. Um man, what else did I what else do I love? Man See, the thing is, is like I my fiction, I don't really need to be that scientifically accurate because I know it's sort of not possible. Like if people want to try, like in The Martian, I appreciate it. But apart from that, like I love my space movie, my popcorn space movies as much as anybody. So uh, one of the things that I have been doing recently with with my my wife is we just watch well rated movies on Netflix that have no. Uh, that don't necessarily have anything to do. We've seen all the sci-fi and space stuff, and now we just are watching like documentaries and dramas and all kinds of stuff, foreign movies. So uh, it's amazing that we I use this website called Just Watch, and you can sort of search for what are highly rated movies that are on streaming services you have access to, and that's what we've been doing. Uh, Todd Larson, Fraser, what are the top three YouTube channels that you regularly follow? All right, great question. Uh, So I love, let's see, Jim Sterling, who is a video game reviewer, and he does a show every Monday called The Jimquisition, and I absolutely love that. I don't miss an episode of that. I really enjoy The Philip DeFranco Show. I generally watch every episode of that. Um, And what else do I watch a lot of? And then I watch a bunch of video game streamers um on youtube because i don't have time to watch this stuff live so um uh there's a streamer that i really like called filthy robot and he does a lot of of strategy games that i really enjoy so uh definitely check him out he, he and i have like exactly the same taste in video games let's see how much that squirrel up into space why would you do that uh, Nancy Graziano says, don't forget Cody's Lab. Yeah, uh, Co- I love Cody's Lab. If you haven't checked his stuff out, I don't know if Cody's watching right now. Um, he's fantastic. I, I, there's a lot of um, streamers, a lot of YouTubers that I really enjoy their work, but I don't have time to watch their work. Like Isaac Arthur, like John Michael Godier, like Joe Scott, uh, like Tim Dodd. I mean, they're all doing such a great job. Amy share Title, Um and I watch some of their stuff when I can, but like, I don't understand how, um, Isaac Arthur can produce such enormous uh, videos of such high quality. And I like, I, I don't know how to do it. How he does it. Uh, PBS, uh, space Mm -hmm. time is, is great. Um, so there are so many, uh, channels, it's hard to follow them all. Generally I ask people, when I enter so for the patrons who are listening, uh, I've had conversations with many of you. And, um, and I ask you what other channels you watch and I want to know, uh, so I can do some collaborations with some of these people. So sometimes that's how I find out stuff to watch um, what the math Anton is going to be showing up here in a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, so we've got a bunch of, of people, people like tomorrow. TMRO. Uh, yeah, they're great. But again, it's like an hour long. I just don't have the time. <laughs> I tend to have to put things into podcasts if I really want to be able to to, to do them because I'm so busy working. Um, Marco Tosic says, speak of video games. Have you played Kerbal Space Program? Yeah, I played quite a bit of Kerbal. I'm not great at it. Um, so that's, but I've learned a tremendous amount about uh, orbital mechanics from playing Kerbal Space Program. I just am not very good. Like, Scott Manley is is the master, and uh, EJ uh, SMS on Twitch is amazing. So, um, let's see, and uh, Kurgsagd yeah, they're great. I actually wrote one of their videos. If you go back and look at the black holes one, I wrote that one, but uh, they're just killing it, right? And and they've done just great videos of uh, like the great filter and CRISPR and things like that. No, they're really good. This is the, okay, so this is the funny thing. And you're gonna, if you talk to a lot of creators, a lot of people who work on stuff, like there's two problems. One is we're incredibly busy, right? And so we have to be really careful about how we meet out our time. And the, the way I like to spend my time the best is like answering questions on YouTube. Um, uh, you know, there's like, I like to read people's comments on videos as opposed to necessarily watching the video. i more enjoy sort of where people's head spaces are at as they're watching things i know that sounds really weird um, so i would rather read through all the comments of a pbs spacetime episode than watch the episode um and part of it that's sort of half of it and then half of it is like you don't want to get influenced by other people's ideas um you saw what happened I don't know if people have been watching what's happened with ign there was an editor on ign who was um, who got caught plagiarizing other people's videos. And like, I mean, it was shameless, but, but even just the, the, the way you crack into a, a concept and try to break it down. If somebody has done a good job of that, that kind of gets into your head. And so I really try to avoid seeing the people who are directly covering the same kinds of stuff that that i do because i don't want to be influenced and so in many cases there's a few episodes of of stuff from uh from isaac arthur and from other people and i can't watch them because it's so close to a topic that i'm going to cover i have to wait and then i cover it and then i can come back and and watch it so that's uh that's how i that's how i roll <laughs> what's the best comment I have i don't know I, I read so many comments. It's, uh, and it, I, like, much like, to your all credit, the comments on the channel, on our channel, is so great. Like, you you compare it. Like, you do go to other people's channels. And it, sometimes you just want to poke out your eyes. It, YouTube can be so mean, but the comments on this channel and some of the other people that we talked about, you know, Isaac Arthur and, and Joe Scott and all that, it's, it's great. And it feels like it's this island of civility in this vast, YouTube of of uh, sort of reactions and anger. So um, <clears throat> Petra what's your opinion on content creators getting banned? Not if you agree with their point of view. YouTube, I really am a big believer in that that freedom of speech ends with private platforms. So I think YouTube is entirely has the right to kick a person off if they are violating their terms of service for whatever that is, right? You wear a black T-shirt, they will throw you off the platform. It's up to them to decide. And I think that's totally fine. Um, I and the way I sort of deal with that, like like I've have run discussion forums in the past and it is there's just like people who come on to destroy the community. They're actively trying to make things worse and you need to show them the door. You need to ban them, you need to get rid of them because they will bring the whole community down. And they don't get a freedom of speech, right? It, person walks into your house and, and starts wrecking your stuff, you can throw them out of the house. So I think it's totally fine. I think YouTube and all these other platforms have can make whatever rules they want and if the rules are ridiculous, then then we don't have to use those platforms. And I think that the people who are going to um, who, you know, the freedom of speech is about, you can't go to jail for the things that you say. And I think that's perfectly valid, but people doesn't mean that people have to let you use their megaphone, their platform to say the things that you want. So I think it's fine. I'm a socialist. No way. I'm a totally free market capitalist, right? Like let a thousand platforms go and people can run their own platforms. However they want. Uh, Jim Becker, you don't have much advertising on your channel. How do you make money? I make money from three ways. I make money from advertising on universe today. I make money from the YouTube ads here. And then I make money from the Patreon. Uh, and it's about, uh, the, still the vast majority is the advertising over on Patreon, but sorry, over on, universe today because that's where we have most of our um revenue but but the patreon is is growing a lot more quickly and i'm really i really love that as a method for funding the content and i would love a time where you know the vast majority of the content that we create is funded entirely by the people who love the content, right? And so then it really simplifies things, you don't have to worry that your content isn't going to be advertiser friendly, you don't have to worry that um, you can't talk about something like a telescope or uh, any mission or agency or any of that and worry that you're going to run into some kind of financial difficulty. So that's that's the future, I think. Um, let's see. Someone was saying that uh, YouTube is a monopoly, and it's totally not, right? We make YouTube a monopoly, we by watching it. It's, it is right now out-competing, but Twitch is catching up quickly and offers a much different situation. Facebook is gigantic and probably streams more video than almost anybody. So there are still a lot of platforms. And I think that, that I've mentioned this in the past, that we as creators, have to remember that um none of these platforms owe us anything right like the fact that youtube has allowed people to find my content is a is fantastic but the reason i run the email mailing list is so that i have a way to 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 communicate with people even if one of these platforms ends up failing right and i think a lot of people they they think that they they deserve traffic or views or whatever from the platform. And they totally don't, right? YouTube is gonna do whatever YouTube wants to do. Facebook is gonna do what they want to do, etc. Josh Brown, can we talk about the dipole drive without Zubrin? We can't because I don't have any idea how it works. And so, and I really want to get his um, feeling, I want to get his his explanation for the dipole drive and sort of Fold that into what I already understand about the electric drive, and we can have a conversation about it. So I'm just gonna, I'll get back to him, and we'll set up another time and be more organized about it. And I'm sure uh, it's gonna work. Launchpad Astronomy. I think we're not gonna talk about astronomy or space science tonight. <laughs> well, I will. I'm ready. Hit me with the questions. Um, and for for people who don't know, Launchpad Astronomy, I believe, is uh, created one of our first videos. If you go all the way back the uh, the video about whether pluto's still a planet i believe that was yours right um raj Luthra. do you think it is possible to store the co2 in earth's atmosphere and transfer it to mars no the the biggest problem biggest challenge of course is that the carbon dioxide on earth is trapped within the gravity well of earth And so to take this stuff to Mars in any meaningful amount, the gigatons that you would require to thicken the atmosphere on Mars would be incredibly difficult. Probably better to see like comets and stuff to smash into the surface of Mars than to try and bring it from Earth. You want stuff that is already outside of gravitational um, gravity wells, and then you wanna have that stuff and then you can drop it down into the Mars gravity well, but to try and pull it out of Earth's gravity well is incredibly uh, expensive, like to a scale we can't even comprehend. To send stuff to the surface of the Moon, for example, like right now to launch stuff into space, it costs about ten thousand dollars per kilogram. To send stuff to the Moon is like fifty thousand, a hundred thousand dollars per kilogram so to take you know do you want to spend and mars is going to be even more a million dollars a kilogram it's going to be very expensive to send stuff to to mars so you need stuff that's already out in space to crash um oh mr tickles um raha Firaz are science fiction movies based on scientific facts the same where the question go as the Martian interstellar and gravity. All of those movies are okay. Um, mm, They have stuff that's good about them. The Martian interstellar and gravity and then they have stuff that's very wrong about them. I love that they tried that interstellar tried to model black holes properly and help people understand time dilation near masses and, and sort of what the impacts of that are. But then other stuff is just completely nonsense. Um, the Martian was really accurate for a whole bunch of stuff, but even sort of at the end, they went against the book um, and uh, went with a uh, like literally the exact opposite of what he proposed in the book and gravity had a bunch of problems as well. So um, I'm fine with them trying and trying to be as accurate as possible to help people understand. I think the best recent example of a science fiction show that did a great job of showing, of making something be exciting and at the same time uh, relatively scientifically accurate was um, in The Expanse. They had the scene where they were doing a high G acceleration battle where the spacecraft was having to turn around and someone had left a toolbox open and so the tools were whipping around inside the spacecraft as the spacecraft was going on different vectors and it was thrilling and scary and scientifically accurate ish and i had never seen anybody tackle that well so i think um i think that was great how long until a movie is really filmed in space. Well, there have been some movies, like IMAX movies have been filmed in space, and actually there's great stories about how the, the astronauts had to be taught to use these enormous 70 millimeter film canisters and to try and shoot these really high resolution films in, in space, um, but I'm sure it's just a matter of time. Like once the first space hotel is operating, I'm sure someone's gonna get the clever idea to, to film a movie, to film some story, in space, and I can't wait till they do it. It sounds like it'll be great. Whoever gets does this first is gonna sort of get first mover and and get all the publicity for shooting that first movie in space. Um. Sasuli, <laughs> have you ever thought to yourself that Star Citizen game and its business model is a scam? No, I haven't thought that, but I haven't really been following it. So I haven't I didn't donate on the Kickstarter. I loved the original Wing Commander series and the idea looks great. I think going through the whole No Man's Sky where um, the, vid- the reality of the video game didn't match what people were expecting. And even now that No Man's Sky is, is, is much, much better than it was in the beginning. It's still not what our hopes and dreams were when we watched the trailers. And I don't think it ever can be reality is, is, you know, reality. And so you can never live up to sort of your dreams. It's like watching movie trailers, right? And then the movies just, they're fine, but they're not as good as your imagination was going to make them. Uh, FTA daddy. have you ever tried a DIY radio telescope? I have not, but, uh, that would be really cool to do. Uh, I've talked to, um, uh, some radio astronomers or some projects that you can do to actually you can sort of take apart old uh satellite dishes and you can turn them into your own diy dishes and people also do like flat radio telescopes so there's some really interesting projects out there on the internet that you can go and build them on your own if you if you want to um it's a pretty cool idea jameson 1776 for if you think that ground-based telescopes and adaptive optics will make space-based telescopes obsolete? Uh, No, Um, there's a bunch of reasons why. So the first one is, is that I mean, the the, we just did this episode on adaptive optics, which I'm sure that sort of got that into your into your brain. Um, And the capabilities of the very large telescope are now better than the capabilities of the Hubble Space Telescope. So a telescope that's built here on Earth and just reached it now is better than a space telescope That has been operating for 28 years so you can see that still space telescopes have their place Um, where but but space telescopes are absolutely necessary for various wavelengths that can't get through the atmosphere ultraviolet x-rays gamma rays um, certain parts of you know cold on the infrared side some of the radio waves you want to have a space telescope to be able to get those so so it's always going to be this thing going hand in hand where you're going to have really powerful ground telescopes using adaptive optics that are pushing the envelope, and then you're gonna have space telescopes that are gonna do as well. There's pretty much no ground-based telescope that we could build today that could that could match um, the Louvoir telescope, right? Which is gonna be this incredibly teles- powerful 15-meter telescope, or bigger, maybe. Uh, but the the right now the biggest one that's in the works is the extremely large telescope which is going to be 39 meters but previously there was an idea idea to build a 100 meter the overwhelmingly large telescope and so that is uh that's that was cancelled to build just the 39 meter version but who knows maybe after the success of that round of super telescopes we're going to see the 100 meter come back online um so Let's see, what else? Grant Lanning, has Chris Hadfield been a guest here yet? No, he hasn't. Hint, hint. Be awesome. Uh, We're both Canadian, should be natural. Uh, I interviewed him when he was on the International Space Station. I asked him a question about photography and he was floating around and answered my question, but I haven't actually had a chance to, to, you know, talk to him here in in one of these venues. He's a busy guy. I would, uh, you know, I know that people at in the weekly space hangout crew has tried and, um, and they haven't been able to, to nail him down, but, uh, I would love to be able to talk to him. He's a Canadian hero. Uh, does NASA sell merch? Yeah, totally. They sell tons of it. If you go to the Kennedy space center, they have an enormous like merch area and you can buy stuff online as well. Lots. Um, See, any other questions? So let's see, Launchpad Astronomy is saying that OWL might have worked but not a guarantee. Right. So one of the reasons why they delayed it or put or canceled it was that they just weren't sure if it could be structurally possible to build a telescope that was 100 meters across. So they're going to try with 39 and then see what happens. Um let's see, any more questions? Uh, Yo, y- oh, yeah. your name taken. Uh, are your kids and family interested in space? They like it okay. Um, they like to go see meteor showers and see the auroras when it's happening. They like to look through the telescope when I set it up. Uh, they like their space movies okay, but they're not like crazy for space the way I am. So I uh, they, they have their own interests. Video games, uh, emo, two thousands bands, things like that. Hillary, real POTUS. Uh, Which scientist would you like to meet, past or present? I mentioned this in a question show. I think I'd love to meet Galileo, because he was the first person to point a telescope really into space, and and he immediately had a million questions about what are the moons around Jupiter and what are the these ears on the side of Saturn and why what's going on in the Milky Way and why does Venus go through these phases and he was studying the world around him scientifically and I would love to just chat with him and answer his questions I'm sure it would be a it would be an amazing question show to hang out with Galileo and I think he was such an original mind when you think about the the all of the different physical phenomena that he was looking at and thinking about and trying to understand them. And it was, uh, just amazing, just amazing story. sounds like he, you know, was, uh, and he sounds like, I don't know, like it's hard to explain, but he sounds like he was a hard person to know or to get along with that. He was perfectly willing to, to push people, uh, who he worked with kind of to the breaking point, like the church and things like that, even though I think they gave him a lot of chances <laughs> because he just needed to get the information out and he wanted to to be right so um yeah, fascinating guy. I would love to talk to Galileo Galileo's mind went boom i don't speak Italian, so I would need a I would need a translator uh yeah. Fraser and uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson could nerd out over Galileo. He would think we were all witches. I don't think he would. He, I, I don't think so. Todd Larson is saying that Galileo would think we were all witches. I don't think he would, right? Like, I think that, that we would have the answers for him. I think he would just keep asking questions. Like, I think uh, Newton would be tough to talk to. But, uh, yeah, I would love some of, you know, some of those people that were just so curious it's That curiosity that I, I, I find so fascinating, and I, those are the kinds of minds that I love to spend time with, is when people are curious about the world around them and they have a pile of questions, because I do, And it's really fascinating to have those kinds of conversations with people. Raj Luther, am I going to the International Astronautical Congress? I'm not Pamela' is, I believe, uh, but I'm not going to that. Uh, it's it's tough to to travel and it's a really it's been a rough travel season I just came back from Australia I've got a trip to Seattle coming up um, and then I've got a trip to Illinois and then a trip to Florida and then so um, and they're all kind of back to back to back and it gets a little exhausting so um, I the weird part like I used to travel to a lot of these astronomy conferences and I found that it was hard for me to do any reporting at the conference, it's much easier for me to do all my reporting back at home. And so um, I, I love to go to conferences to meet people, but they're really bad to do any actual reporting. But I've been thinking about maybe taking the guide to space on the road to go and attend like the American Astronomical Society or the um, the General Assembly, the IAU or things like that. And, and do a bunch of interviews there on site with with astronomers and then try to bring back all of those and inject them into various episodes and and do some episodes about some of those ideas because you know I always I'm always reading research papers and then bringing those ideas into into the episodes that I do but it would be great to get some of these people actually you know I could interview them and then have the words coming out of their mouth and then bring that into the episodes so uh, probably these will be some experiments uh, I've got about 2 minutes left so again um a two hour show no no guest commitments um so again i apologize no sign of dr zubrin but i will chase him down he's 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 always been happy to do interviews with me in the past and i know he's trying to get the word out about the the dipole drive and i'm happy to be uh, to help him out um eric 1 oh last question i think what are the odds am i giving opportunity coming back to life um i think Opportunity is dead, but oh, my wife just howled in misery. Um, yeah, I uh, but you know, uh, it was a really bad storm, and Opportunity was already really old, and its battery was already, you know, only in eighty percent efficiency or ninety percent. Like it was, so uh, it's going to be a hard thing for them to find it. And if it cooled down for too long and its electronics got cold and its battery got cold, it won't be able to come back. So I I wish we hear from Opportunity. Um, and don't quote me. I mean, I'm just like, I have no idea. But um, you would hope that we'll hear from it soon. All right, so well, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, before I do, I want to give a big thank you to uh, the Weekly Space Hangout crew, the moderators, of course. If you want to be part of this amazing community, uh, bring new guests into the show. Go to wshcrew.space, um, and I will uh, nag Dr. Zubrin, and we'll uh, we'll hook this up for another um, for another time. Don't worry. And like I said, uh, Anton from uh, What The Math is coming in a couple of weeks. Um, But let me know what other guests you want. So uh, keep them coming. All right. We will uh, see you all next week. No plans. See you later, everyone.